Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hello and welcome to Grilling JR. This is Paul Bromwell back once again, and I'm joined by the voice of wrestling, the Hall of Famer, Mr. Jim Ross. JR, how you doing this week? I'm good, man. It's uh, been a busy time uh, for, in my career, but having a great time. Busy's always good. Yes. And uh, in my view, especially at my stage of life, when you're 70 and you're still doing what you love, you're very blessed. And uh, one is, as am I. So uh, I'm lucky in that regard. But, you know, Las Vegas was, uh, for those that caught what we were doing, uh, seemed to be extremely well received and it's just, there's just nothing that beats a big crowd that want to be there and want to engage and want to support. Uh, they're not looking for ne- negatives, negatives, negatives. They're looking to come enjoy the presentation. So uh, I, uh, I've always, uh, I think that's just great. And it was very uh, motivational to say the least. I think Tony and, and uh, Excalibur and I did some of our best work and we certainly enjoy doing it and enjoy doing it together. So in any event, been a busy week in Vegas. We've moved on now to Los Angeles and soon I'll be moving on back to Oklahoma for three or four days of R and R before we head to Kansas city. And it's, you said it right, busy, but you're right. Nothing's beats a hot crowd, a good crowd, an engaged crowd. And I'm glad you had fun because you being busy, JR, means we're getting to enjoy you as fans listening to the commentary. Oh, oh so. And so, uh, man, it's just been good. I'm glad you're you're getting to do all this fun stuff. Still enjoying wrestling, man, and uh, that's what it's all about. Speaking of wrestling and enjoying and stars and all the good stuff, let's jump into it this week. We're going to be discussing Mrs. Foley's baby boy. His birthday is right around the corner, June 7th. The hardcore legend will be 57 years young. And so to celebrate that, we're discussing mixed time in WCW with you today, JR. Good. 57. I used to have, you know, I had a 57 Chevy at one point in my life. <laughs> my favorite car, my favorite car, 57 Chevy. It was a dark green, two mm. door, 283, three speed on a column. Hotter, hottest car in school. Do you, do you have any no. classic cars now? Do you collect, do you have a collection or anything? Yeah, no, I don't No, I don't. Nah. Okay. Well, no. you never know. Some guys might have much, something too much work. Yeah. Uh, uh, but when you maintain two households, one in Norman, Oklahoma, and one in Jacksonville beach, you got to have wheels. So that's my collection. Just there you get, go. Get me around. And I'm not, <laughs> I've never been a real car guy, uh, quite frankly, but, uh, in any event, 57 years young for, uh, for Mick. And uh, a lot of those 57 years, I've known him very well. You have, this is just another, we had a lot of fun talking Jake Roberts last week and your careers woven together throughout the years with Jake, same thing here, Mick Foley. And we're going to get into this. We're going to talk specifically his days uh, as cactus and WCW, but man, he really began making a name for himself in world-class and in the continental promotion in the late eighties. 
And uh, Cash, Ta- Cactus Jack, or should we say Cactus Jack Manson? You remember that. He made his debut for WCW on December 16th, 1989, on uh, the World Championship Wrestling Program. And JR, if you could just share with everybody, our audience here, how you were aware, or ma- first made aware, or introduced to Mick Foley, Cactus Jack, before this whole uh, WCW debut. Well, Mick was a darling of the wrestling magazine, so he got a lot of coverage. Uh, to his credit, he made himself accessible and a fun interview. Uh, I saw most of Mick's early work, uh, when I was living in Oklahoma and they were on cable and out of Dallas world-class. And so I, I, I made a point, I think it was on, I want to say Saturday night, 10 to midnight or something like that for uh, a central time zone. I might be wrong, but something along those lines, it was accessible to me and it worked, it fit into my schedule. So I try to catch that as often as I could, because again, we used a lot of those guys over the years from uh, Fritz's office and Fritz von Eric's office and world-class. So, uh, that was kind of a regular viewer of that product. And, uh, I was a fan of mixed work. I know that early on when we first started working together, the one thing he wanted to do was to get rid of the, the Manson aspect of his name. He wasn't a big fan of the cactus Jack Manson. He may have been when he first started, it may have seemed like it worked. Maybe the promoter liked it or whatever. Uh, but, but he didn't like it. And so that's a little known fun fact, the Manson aspect of Nick's, uh, TV persona was not something he embraced. And so we quit using it simple. We didn't have a meeting. We didn't have to have a, you know, a quorum. The talent didn't like it. So let's do it. It's yeah. not going to make any difference. He's not over yet. Anyway, he's not clearly established. So if we're going to do it now, it's the time to do it. Yeah, that makes sense. And it completely makes sense why you wouldn't want that attached to, to him as he continues to move up the rank. So, uh, Mick has talked about how you and Jim Cornette really hyped him up to Ric Flair and Kevin Sullivan on his first night there at center stage. Uh, can do you remember that? Do you remember any of those, that conversation, how you felt after you first saw him there and, and talking with Rick and Kevin? Well, Nate and Sully were not as familiar with, uh, Mick as Cornette and I, and, uh, of course, Cornette and I being wrestling junkies couldn't get enough of the product. So consequently, uh, we were watching everything. And then when I lived in Atlanta, you know, I had the luxury, uh, the late Joe Pettisino's wrestling block and, uh, they had, you know, four or five, six different shows on every Saturday night. I think it was channel 69 or something along those lines in, in, in uh, Atlanta. So I got to consume a lot of product there. Of course, I was in a position at the booking committee where we were looking for new talent. You like I said here before, wrestling fans like new. And so we were looking for new and, and we believe Cornette and I certainly believe that, uh, that cactus fit that bill. Yeah, no, that's fun. Joe Pettisino knows. I remember uh, Joe Pettisino, so that's a fun name from the wrestling past. But Mick leaves a big impression here in his first appearance. It's he and Rick Fargo. They lose to the Steiners, and after the match, Cactus and Fargo would fight with each other, and Cactus leaves him laying with his signature running elbow from the apron to the floor. JR, we have a clip here I want to share with you in our first clip of the week. We have three of them. This is the first. Let's take a look uh, at Cactus here. His tag team partner is from New Mexico. He weighs in at 234 pounds, Cactus Jack Minson. Their opponents making their way into the ring area. They are the current World Tag Team Champions from the Motor City of New York, Michigan at 525 pounds. Rick and Scott Steiner, these are the Steiner Brothers. Uh-oh, here comes. The Steiners asking their little friends to come into the ring. The World Tag Team Champions still up. Have won it. Let's keep our cameras right here for just a moment before we go to the slow-mo. Uh-oh, wait a minute. Fargo, now Fargo and Manson are fighting. Fargo and Manson are fighting here. I don't blame Manson a bit. Put the boots 
Cactus Jack from Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. Looked great against the Steiners. But what's he going to do here? He's got him outside. Backbreaker right on the floor. What's he doing? Consequences New Mexico's uh, representative just did something breathtaking. Look at this, Kevin. He jumps from the apron. 12 feet in the air onto the cement floor with an elbow. What I said before, there's something definitely wrong with this cat. We'll hear more from Cactus Jack fans, but when we come back. Well, feet in the air. I measured it just 12 that. feet. No, but man, that doesn't feel good on the old hip. No. He didn't. He didn't land on the the pad either. He extended. Years of, years of doing that didn't do Mick any favors, quite frankly. Ooh. But it made him stand out. He found something as simple as that. It's not simple. It's simple to execute. Yes. But it's not simple to survive. Uh, so, uh, you know, Flair bought into Mick. Seems uh, best I recall. Sullivan certainly did. And Cornette and I were big boosters, and so that's how Mick ended up uh, getting a job. Is that you know we. We thought he had something and I I've been in that corner and of that sentiment for decades now. And, and, and dude, this is exactly what he would always do. This was an early trait of, of Mick. He would leave his partner laying after the matches, but this was something unique and different to your point. It was new and, uh, it got him over with the audience to your point. Yeah. Yeah. He, the thing about Mick as a writer, as a baby face, as a heel, uh, he always connected with his audience because him being a lifelong fan and having his quote unquote dream job was something that he really embraced. So his ability to connect with the audience was extraordinary. And that's one thing that I would suggest any wrestlers. And I know a lot of wrestlers listen to our podcast and we appreciate it. Uh, you got to learn or you got to acquire the skills of, uh, connecting connecting with your audience, uh, in, in whatever role you may be in. And so Mick learned that at an early age. He just, he was so impressionable. He's smart. You know, Mick has a college degree and his dad was a, was a teacher come from an educated family. So, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I'm just thinking that Mick was destined to do all these things, but we all were kind of concerned that can we keep him healthy enough to get there? Right. Well, JR, Mick uh, and Kevin Sullivan, speaking of uh, Sully, as you would say, would even join up with Buzz Sawyer and they would call themselves Sullivan's Slaughterhouse. Boy, <laughs> what a trio, trio, but great for Cactus because, as you said, he's under that learning tree, uh, especially of having Kevin Sullivan in his corner, right? Yeah, well, Sully's a great uh, psychologist, booker, creator, content. And uh, Mick was still very young at that time, very impressionable. So I thought he was on the, the right limb of the learning tree, quite frankly, with Kevin, they, they, and they, and they got along well, uh, you know, like any other creative entity, they don't always agree, but they always agreed that they're all, they're traveling in the right direction and that they're doing this because of how, what they believe in. And as far as the product was concerned, Sully is old school as hell. And, and Mick was too, to a very large degree. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow would end up replacing uh, Kevin Sullivan in that group. So I'm sorry, uh, Sawyer in that group. So you have Bam Bam, you have Sullivan, and you have Mick Foley. Man, what a what a group of talented individuals at that time. Yeah, it was a good, great collection of heels and uh, <clears throat> guys that were hungry. I don't think anybody in that group was hungrier than Mick. Mick was very motivated to be a success, take better care of his family you know, uh, better than the normal wrestling lot. So, uh, he, he was very, very motivated was Mick and, but he's always been that way. Even when he made it, when he was quote unquote over in his WWF years, uh, he still worked like he was broke. And that's one thing we all use. A lot of guys used to laugh about that. You know, police taking these bumps, like he's broke. That's just his style. Even when he was making big money and he had big money, 
uh, he, he, he wrestled like this was almost like a, a audition every time out, which I found to be really admirable, quite frankly. Uh, and I gotta say right here too, man, he, what a, what a great writer he has become his he's written a few great best-selling books. Yeah. One of the first wrestling books I wrote was his have a nice day, man. It's so well-written, so, you know, for a guy that's taken so much abuse, even to the head, so well-spoken, well-written. The, uh, uh, the, the strongest argument that I ever got in with Mick which was a mild shouting match, which is totally unlike uh, him and me was in my office in, in uh, Stanford. And, uh, he had, we were, we were, I was called there to meet with the lawyer, our lawyer, Ed Kaufman at the time, chief legal counsel for WWE and, uh, to get Mick his check and to go over the contract because the book book deals are complicated and they have a lot of, uh, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. So in other words, a lot of people are going to get some of your money. And if you don't read the contract and you're shocked by how the distribution was done, it can be startling. And it startled Mick. He, he had thousands of dollars that he didn't get to claim because it was it contractually. He had to, the publisher got some money and this guy got some money. And so, uh, but he didn't, I've always said this is so totally unlike him that I'm almost positive. He didn't read all the fine print. And it wasn't fine print. It was this typical deal for publishing. Yeah. Oh, they screwed Mick. You know, they, no, it was a, it's a typical publishing template and he just didn't read all of it. And when he got the bad news, it was totally shocked him that there's a lot of money left on the table, so to speak. So, uh, that's the only time we've ever had a crossword, quite frankly. And then we got it all straightened out. He just had to go back and understand the contract and. And I guess he, it, it worked out. Okay. Paul, because he kept writing books. So Jr. one of those moments that I couldn't wait to share with you and talk to you about, cause I have a clip for it as well was the most memorable moment of cactus Jack's first WCW run. And unfortunately it was a horrible match with mill mask artists at the clash of the champions in Corpus Christi, Texas. It's February 6th, 1990. For those that want to go back and check it out on the peacock cactus takes a spectacular flat buck. Uh, back bump on the concrete floor, however, and you and Cornette, you're on commentary together and you guys are like, man, his career might be over. Cornette says cactus Jack is dead. So here we go. Let's watch the clip and then we'll get into this a little bit. Let's check it out together. Right over the top. Cactus Jack, a man of rare intelligence. Wait a minute, Very rare when he shows any. Cactus Jack is going off after Gary Capetta, the world's most dangerous announcer. Run him right out of his Wait a minute. Cactus, he doesn't pay attention to where he's going. And he's blaming all the fans here in Corpus Christi. I'll tell you something. The breakfast room at a honeymoon hotel isn't as vacant as Cactus Jack's head. He is an idiot. Hey, I, would, I wouldn't say he's an idiot. I'd say he's unorthodox. I'd say he's strange. I'd say he's not all there, but he's definitely not an idiot. I mean, when you got guys like the Steiners, Rick Steiner stayed up all night one time studying for a urine test. Now, that's stupid. Well, Bull Nelson there by Mill Maskers. Cactus Jacks backed him in the corner. The cheap shot, the elbow right to the head. All of our right hand, and Mill Maskers fights right back very quickly. And Cactus is staggering. He looks a little more goofy than usual. We all look great, you know. We're Mark very corporate Christian. All this crowd fans. support. I'm over here with all his fans in the, here. There's Cactus's book. I am an urgent need. Especially in the, uh, how uh, true. You know the, 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 the those Latin markets like Corpus Christi. Yeah. This man's. There's nothing wrong with the Mexican people. Double leg pickup. You know, I feel like everybody ought to own one or two of them. Trying to go for a Boston crab. And Cactus Jack got to the ropes. That necessitates the break. Yeah, this is not a very good match. Bill had kind of lost his edge. And, you know, I, I, he, he had paid his dues. My God, he, he probably was 50 years old when this match yeah, took place. Yeah, had to be. Always looked great. And there's a cheap shot downstairs, a kick right to the midsection. Follows it up with a big right hand to the back of the head. Cactus Jack doesn't have the best win-loss record in the NWA. You know why I think that is, Jim? He's just like a guy like Dr. Death. He needs guidance. He has all the skills and all the ability. Cactus Jack just needs somebody to tell him which direction to go in. Right now, Mascara's out on the floor. 
Hey, Cactus Jack could be setting him up for that big elbow. We've seen him do it before. The elbow right off the apron of the ring. He's setting Bill's him up for it, but Mascaras doesn't oh, look stunned. Wait, Mascaras getting back in the ring. Cactus Jack doesn't know he's there. What in the world? Oh, oh God, right on the concrete. Oh, no. Right on the back of his head oh, on the concrete. No. Cactus Jack is dead. He's done it this time. I've it, never seen anything like that. His head just smacked that concrete. He was away from the mats. That's a concrete floor, fans. He went 10 feet out onto the concrete. No human being could get back up after that. But he's doing it. There was no mats there. He fell right on the back of his head on the concrete. Masker suplexed him back in the ring. And now the man of a 1,000 masks will go up to the top. Will his high-risk move pay off? Cactus Jack is in la-la land. High cross body off the top. Mel Maskers is going to pin Cactus Jack. The winner of the match, Mel Maskers. I think there's no doubt, Jim, that the fall from the ring apron is what stunned Cactus. I can't believe that any human being could get back in the ring after that fall. It was only a formality for Mascaras to come off the top rope. Hey man, let me give you a little life hack just in time for mother's day and father's day. I'm talking about paintyourlife.com. That's the place where you can get a gift that mom or dad will never forget real quick. Do you remember what you got mom or dad last year for mother's day or father's day? Well, here's how you give a gift that they'll never forget. You find something that's meaningful, something that's personal. Maybe we're talking about their mom or dad who's no longer here. Maybe it's about a long lost relative. Maybe it's about their favorite pet who's no longer with us. Maybe there was always this dream that mom and dad were going to vacation to some exotic tropical island, but they never quite made it there. Well, all of those dreams can become reality at paintyourlife.com. You simply upload those photos. You can even use a photo right out of your phone. They can even help you combine photos to create one unique memory. You'll pick the artist. You'll even pick the medium. Hey, do you want an oil, acrylic, watercolor, charcoal? You can even pick the frame. The whole process is less than five minutes to get started. You can get it in as little as two weeks, but along the way you work hand in hand to ensure that the artist is nailing it. They're getting exactly what you wanted and you're going to get that reaction you wanted from mom or dad. I'm telling you, this has been a home run for me. I've used it for my mom, for my dad, for my father-in-law, for my cousin, for my wife. It's great for any occasion, but with mother's day and father's day right around the corner, how do we show the people who gave us everything that we really care? I don't think you can beat a meaningful gift like this from paintyourlife.com. And if you're looking to give the best and most meaningful gift you've ever given, paintyourlife.com can hook you up. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. You can get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. Now to get this special offer, just text the word Ross to 87204. That's Ross to 87204. Text ROSS to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. All right, JR. What do you, first of all, let's talk about that bump. I mean, that, that sickening thud, as you would say. He had say. to do one, man. He, he, he couldn't keep it out of his system. He was compelled his DNA, all that stuff. He's, he's going to get that damn spot in come hell or high water. And he did. And it made the match quite honestly. Yes. So it, that it, it's tough to try to talk a talent, toning it down a little bit when some of the things they do along these lines, such high risk, uh, are so good. It's one of those moments where the guy that lost the match ends up getting over more because of a spot like that. Well, I've heard it said, you know, over the years, it's just kind of wrestling lore. You can go over or you can get over, you can win or you can get over. And I can assure you that getting over is much more important than going over. So, uh, 
but I, I thought the match was just average. You know, Mill was, I don't, Mill was not, didn't have his working shoes on that night, apparently, but, uh, yeah, yeah I think you, yeah, you were saying too, while the, the clip was playing, you think they, they, they obviously brought him in You're in Corpus Christi. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a big audience for that. Yeah. We want to sell tickets. Sure. And we thought Mill being a wrestling legend, especially in the, in the Hispanic community would help us there. And I think he probably did. I don't, I don't remember that well, but I'm sure he helped us a little bit, but, uh, we were a little bit past Paul, the era of, uh, mill being at his hottest and, and cause he, this match with the cactus was cold. There was no angle, big angle, long-term angle leading into it. So it was a little bit of a unique uh, scenario there. So I want to get into uh, Ric Flair a little bit here because he's booking during this time. And Mick has said Flair didn't really show much of a liking to his work, telling, even telling him you'll be in a wheelchair by the time you're 30 years old, Mick. Was Flair, in your mind, too much of a traditionalist to get this character? Or is Flair right in thinking, hey, Cactus, you're already just giving your body way too much abuse? Well, I think that uh, Nate's had a good point. Moderation. And keep those moves. If you're going to do them, and, and Mick's going to do them, then lessen the amount of them and keep them special. So the ones that the audience sees are, you know, are keepers and there, it's not overdone. This we used, you know, I, I said this a lot in talking to talents about timing and the pacing of a match. If you are wrestling faster than the audience can pr process what you are doing, you, you got to slow down a little bit. And that could be a half a step here, a half a step there. It could be registering, selling, reacting, but, uh, you, you've got to, you've got to slow down a bit. It's, it's no different than a stand-up comedian. I've used this before here on this show. If you're a stand-up comedian and you are, you go out and do your, to do your set, you, you lead off of what, what are your best jokes and, and, uh, then you tell your joke and before you're, you give your audience the opportunity to process the joke and react. You're telling your second joke and you're wasting, you just wasted this first one. So I think that's kind of what we were, we mixed issue was, was that sometimes he did too much. And I don't know that Flair was such a traditionalist in that respect. It never seemed like they got along that well. And I'm not so sure what that was. It just may have been a personality conflict, have no idea. Uh, but there was some issues there that uh, were not real positive. Well, then another change happens, which isn't exactly in Foley's favor either. And that is Ole Anderson replaces Flair's Booker. And then they don't really hit it off. Foley and Ole. There you go. There's two names, Foley and Ole. They don't hit it off. And so he gives his notice on June 10th of 1990. And uh, that would be his uh, last match after for a while in WCW. Lost to Norman the Lunatic. There's a name at a house show in Sunrise, Florida. And he wouldn't return until over a year later on August 11th, 1991. So again, first it's he and flair. Now it's he, he and, and Oli. Is it just a frustration with the management here in WCW? They don't see the potential in cactus or, or what, what are you thinking? Well, I think they, those two guys want to influence cactus changing his style. They thought he was taking too many bumps and making it too hard to follow. Uh, so, and, and I, and again, they make a valid argument. Yeah. They meaning aren't pro pronoun by, <laughs> he said he beat him. He beat him. Okay. Uh, but Ole would be more the traditionalist and flair and Ole thought cactus is doing too much, making it too hard to follow, et cetera, et cetera. But the other thing is that as a booker, you've got to look at the shelf life, the long, i.e. the longevity of your talent. And if you've got a talent that's taken all these chances. It's getting battered and bruised and beat up and staggering to the, you know, staggering to the ring, but dragging a foot or whatever. I mean, seemingly always looking like Mick was in pain and was restricted. Uh, and that, that Ole would look at that situation and say, well, we can't get any money out of this guy because he's not going to be able to work. And so Ole makes a valid point. I don't know if it was a deal breaker point, but it became a deal breaker. And uh, Mick saw that he wasn't going to get anywhere philosophically with Ole. And so instead of engaging in a, uh, a, a unwinnable argument, it might be best just to move on. Yeah. And I think he takes that break for a year, comes back, like I said, August of 91. Uh, and it seems like this would be probably 
a good time for him to get away for a little bit, maybe, and try to figure things out. Uh, you know, maybe there would there could have been some stuff left on the table. But to your point, he's got to figure out how to work with this group or this team and see if maybe they, he can't figure out where his character's headed. Yeah, he's got to he's got to change the way he thinks about some things. Compromise is a good thing if you're a sports entertainer, pro wrestler, whatever. You got to be able to compromise. And, uh, I think Mick finally, it's at different points in his career, uh, adhered to that somewhat, but, uh, he didn't have any trouble staying booked. You know, I kept in touch with him. I knew that if we had a chance to get him back. We would, uh, did all depend on who was in the, uh, the, the, the booking chairs and the creative components. But, uh, but I always looked at Mick as a friend, so I kept his number and we'd text or whatever occasionally, but. Uh, I knew at some point in time, our paths would cross again. You look at it in today's terms, in today's world too. some of these folks that have been released, uh, you know, these wrestlers that have been released from the big time companies, some of those, those individuals, if you talk to them today would say those were some of the, that's the best thing that happened to them for their career. They've been able to reinvigorate themselves, rejuvenate their careers on the independence and rebrand themselves. And now they're making more money than ever. And and so, you know, sometimes you can use that downtime period. It's not, oh, woe is me. It's all about your mindset and attitude. And, and if you're willing to grow and learn, it can be a big, big push for you. Absolutely. Growing and learning. Key, key words to live by pro wrestling. So, JR, as we talked about, uh, taking some time off here, Cactus goes back on the independence for a while and works for Herb Abrams UWF. <laughs> he goes on tour for All Japan as well for Baba, even wrestling Andre the Giant in a tag team match over there. And uh, were you staying in, in contact with Mick during this time? Yeah, yeah. You know, casually, not every week, but casually, because, again, as I said earlier, I knew our paths would cross again. I didn't want to lose contact with him. Well, he wrestles also for Eddie Gilbert and Tri-State Wrestling, which, by the way, for those of you uh, that are familiar, that was the forerunner to ECW in Philly. ECW, ECW, ECW. This said to get Jack back on the radar, radar of WCW. Me and Devon, me and Devon. <laughs> How involved were you? And I'm sure you're very involved, but I want to kind of hear a little bit about your story and getting him back into WCW because he's immediately pushed into a feud with Sting. Well, yeah, you know, the thing about it, there were very few people in that booking area, booking world that didn't like Mick. You had Ric Flair, who was not a high on him. And you had Ole Anderson, who was even less high on him because of his style, not his character, his integrity, his ability to wrestle promos. None of the things that you seemingly would be, would be more important. Uh, but Mick was, uh, when, when we had the opportunity to bring him back, I, I don't remember any pushback because the guys that were making the decision before were not in those positions. And it's similar to what we talked about with Jake Roberts last week, he's brought in and, and it's, you know, we're going to strap the rocket strip to him right away. This time he is starting right with sting which is great. You need to feed sting. You need to feed him those hot heels and Foley's perfect for this year. And it's gotta be the perfect starting point for him coming back in to make the big splash. Yeah, absolutely. If you're a heel Mick Foley, who would you ideally want to wrestle sting? That's right. The top baby face. So, uh, and, and it was cool that his previous stints there or and or anywhere else had uh, no bearing on him getting a, a, a real good spot on the card, uh, specifically working with sting. So, uh, it was good. Let's talk about another maniac because he's paired and forms an alliance with Abdullah, the butcher. And, uh, they had a famous moment at Halloween havoc where Abdullah gets electrocuted in the electric chair. And there's even a feud between the two after it. What did you think of the pairing of Abdullah, the butcher and cactus Jack didn't have an issue with the pairing. I'd rather have seen an old school, uh, all Japan, uh, knockdown drag out fight. Cause that's what that, cause that just tells me that the bookers are paying attention and putting both competitors in a position that they can best succeed. Uh, and you're not going to have, oh, I, I, Abby, I want you and Mick to go out there and do a Briscoe punk match. Right. Well, it's just the same. It's yeah. just a 
extreme example, but uh, I'd rather seen that than uh, the, the, some of the ridiculousness that we had. That was a Turner Home Entertainment thing. Uh, the Halloween Havoc thing, they we took it too far. And to show another human being allegedly getting electrocuted, it just took you right out of your sense of dis disbelief. Uh, so I, I didn't like the that angle. I thought it was taking things a little too far on the sports entertainment side. So Jr., we move into 1992, and uh, Cactus and Sting would have an absolute show stealer of a match at Be Beach Blast 92. It's Falls Count Anywhere, and this is a show that you're going to cover here in future in the next couple of weeks in detail. So I don't want to steal too much thunder for that. But is Cactus up there for you as one of Sting's top opponents? Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, they had respect for each other, which you got to have, I think. You don't have to like somebody to have a great wrestling program with them. You don't need to exchange those Christmas cards or those holiday cards or anything along those lines, things that are normal, but you got to respect your, your adversary because he's got your life in his hands. You damn sure better respect him. Uh, this is not leapfrog drop down headlock. You know, this is some, gets to be some serious stuff, uh, that's hard to execute. So, uh, I would say that, I mean, Mick had a lot of great, especially in WWF, WWE, oh, yeah. he has some tremendous opponents, uh, but certainly looking at the wide scope of things, uh, Sting's rivalry, if you will, with Mick was extraordinary. Just really, really good. They liked each other, Paul. You don't have to, as I said, but you got to respect each other and they damn sure respected each other. And Sting was willing, a willing participant to go along with some of the things that Mick was doing, even though most of the hurt was on Mick's side. So I got to ask JR, was it prior to this during this feud or sometime in the future, maybe into the WWF WWE days that you realized this guy is world champion material. I don't know where it was along the way. I don't know the date or, or things like that being facetious here somewhat, but it is in that era that he started really turning heads, having really solid matches with various opponents. I mean, you go from Abdullah to sting. And he pulled it off somehow and they're not, they don't have, they have nothing in common. So you got to be flexible, uh, and you got to be, uh, you know, uh, a, a, you know, somebody has got skills and we saw over and over again, that Mick had great skills because he's working with guys that had hugely different, uh, uh, styles. So, but along the way, uh, Mick always had the ability to cut a great promo. I think he got better at it as time went on. At least that's all of our, our dreams is that we want to get better at what we do. If you're in a broadcasting or any kind of performance art, you want to get better at it. That's right. And I think Mick got better at it as he went along and he could probably still get rolled out there right now and cut up as good a promo as anybody in the business. Now you, uh, you, you hit it nail on the head there. Jake Roberts joins the fold, which we discussed last week, a little about him, but he and cactus would form an alliance around this period. And, and to your point, this is also the period where we start to see him really shine with those promos. And, uh, it sounds like you were enjoying his style of promos. I mean, for a character, he was able to get into character. What did you, what were you thinking as he was delivering? Cause we're going to watch a clip here in a minute of you on the mic with, uh, with cactus Jack. It's fun. But well, what I think that the Paul, oh, excuse me. I think the thing about it is that, uh, uh, Mick was a great storyteller bell to bell. I think we've established that. I think most fans will agree with that. Was his style at times extreme? Yes. But nonetheless, uh, he was always a great storyteller in the ring. The great stars are able to take that skill set, that level of a skill set, transfer it from the physical bell to bell to a promo scenario. And, uh, Mick, it, so some guys game a lower one or the other Mick stayed level, both really, really good. Uh, and, but his promo abilities was just, I, I don't remember him doing bad promos. I really don't. Well, we're going to speaking of memories. We're going to bring back a memory for you here. Jr. It's you it's cactus Jack and you're together and, uh, let's check it out together. But Cactus Jack, who has a world title match signed live in prime time here on TBS. It'll be at the Clash of the Champions on Wednesday, September the 2nd. I have a question for you. 
Have you seen Big Van Vader lately? Certainly have. He's eating people up! <laughs> One at a time. Two at a time. It doesn't seem to matter. He's an instrument of destruction, and people are being hurt. And I like that. So in my mind, September 2nd, I'm training for a match with Big Van Vader. But Ron Simmons, if you are still champion, those are the two biggest letters in the English language for you, if you're still the holder of the world's heavyweight champion, then it'll be a battered and beaten Ron Simmons that I'll be taking on. And I like that too, because it brings about to my mind, Ron, and I want you to listen. The last time we met not too long ago, yeah, things got out of hand, and it was a power slam on the concrete that put an end to that match. Can you imagine the impact? Well, Ron Simmons, you don't have to imagine because you were there. You saw the blood spill out of my mouth, didn't you, Ron? And you saw the fans look in shock silence. But then you looked down, you saw something else you weren't counting on. You saw Cactus Jack smile. <laughs> and you wondered, like everybody else, and like you have, and like wrestling fans have asked themselves for years, what am I still doing alive? How am I still walking? Well, destiny is not finished with Cactus Jack. Big Van Vader, Ron Simmons, it doesn't matter. September 2nd, the Clash of the Champions, neither one of you ought to count on walking out with that championship belt. In fact, neither one of you ought to count on walking out at all. Big Bang! All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go back up to Rhubarb. What a nice haircut I had. You did, and you even had the little scarf in your suit. Oh, you were yeah, looking dapper. I styled it and profiled it, you know, big time TVS, national television. Nick said that he just told a great story. He did. He got everybody over. He talked about, he gave you reasons to believe the plausibility of this whole scenario. And, uh, and he didn't have to talk about himself the whole damn time. Mm. He, I, I listened to his promos as if he were writing and providing me a, a new chapter in a new book. And he was a great storyteller. And it was different. It wasn't like you said last week with, uh, uh, Jake Roberts, it was different. It wasn't a yeller, but he was telling it in his own way, very different delivery than anything that we have ever been used to. And it was unique. And he had that on his side and, and, and it sucked you in as a wrestling fan. Yeah. He was smart. Again, he had the innate ability to connect with his audience. That promo, if you're a fan of wrestling, you're a fan of mix. Fan of the, of the booking of Vader's involvement, Ron Simmons involvement, all these things. It's that's all about the title. You know, we try to make sure that the title meant something and, uh, it, it did. And, and Mick was putting it over all along in that promo that he did. So that's just a really good example of how good he is. And if you go back and dissect what he said, uh, he told us a great story that should have gotten people interested in the, the, the storyline, the angle. Uh, and I, I, and I think it did, you know, I, I, like I said, his promos are spot on and, and the better, the higher the match got, the more important the match seemed to be, the, the more he Mick delivered. Well, JR, as we get into 1993 cactus turns baby face and it's a good freshen up for the character. I'm sure. Cactus likes that he has different guys to work with at that point too, right? I think that's usually the main reason that guys, uh, endorse their own turn is that it gives them a whole different group of guys to wrestle. So they got new dancing partners. And the other thing is that fans just grew to love cactus for his tenacity and his courage and what he put his body through all for them, the fan. So, uh, I, I, uh, I know that cactus. He never had an issue with it. A lot of guys who I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a heel through and through. That's what I'm going to be forever. Blah, blah, blah. Well, no one should ever say that because nothing's forever. And it's probably a good thing at times to freshen up your act like Mick's doing right here. One of those, of course, was none other than Vader. And this is just after you had left WCW Jim, but I'm sure you've seen and heard about some of their bloody brawls. What was it about cactus that just brought out the best in wrestlers? My goodness. Because he was, he didn't have slow down gears. He, he didn't have, he didn't work at a pace that was going to, uh, you know, make you feel you had to slow down or you're out of your game or out of your league, whatever it was. 
they knew that Mick would bring it and that he would be physical and that the pace of the match would be much more indicative for a smaller wrestler than a 300 pounder. So I just think guys knew that when they're booked with Mick, we got to get ready to go because it's not really any telling what he's going to do. And again, most guys in that era were caught, weren't, weren't sitting around all afternoon, uh, in a isolated spot in the arena and going over every spot in your match. They just weren't, uh, and, and I'm not knocking everybody that does that because that's just the way of the world. Now it changed and I'm here. I'm not the guy to step in and say, I'm going to change the wrestling world. Well, that's just stupid. It's not going to be changed. If it is, it's going to be changed, changed at, at a very small pace. And, uh, but if you're going to be booked with Foley, you knew you better bring your, bring your business, bring your lunch. As daddy would say, mm -hmm. you'd be there a while. Well, it's uh, a year later and he loses half of his freaking ear wrestling Vader in Germany. Everybody knows the story. What do you remember of it? And do you remember, how do you remember hearing about it? Were you talking to cactus or Mick at this time? Talk to us about that time. I period. think, uh, I heard about that through somebody that was there. I can't recall maybe an agent or referee or somebody like that. You know, the spot is not new. The spot has been around forever. But a lot of guys just didn't want to screw with it because the ropes of those, those cables are very, uh, tense is a double entendre, I guess, but it's, uh, it's just hard to fathom how hard that bump is to pull off without killing yourself or tearing half your ear off. That's what happened there. And mm -hmm. there was so much footage of it too. It got out there real quick. If it had been in today's uh, inter internet, uh, online world, it would have been even bigger. But, uh, cause the ear was bouncing around in a ring. Somebody had got it, put it in their pocket. I think maybe Gary Capetta might have done that. I'm not sure. But that was, uh, you know, Mick taking it one step too far and trying one thing he should have tried on that particular night, even though it was not a novel, new, brand new deal. Uh, he felt like it fit into the match. And he always, I always thought that Mick brought out the best in Leon later. I really did. Uh, and, you know, cause it, Leon didn't expect this, that match to be pretty and it wasn't going to be pretty, but it was going to be unpredictable and it was going to be physical and it, it was going to make you watch. And I think that's the key thing. Were you keeping in contact? I know you're busy. You're working for WWF at the time, but did you keep in contact at all with Mick around this time period? Did you still I keep text here and there. Yeah. I take, we wrestling people are strange. Uh, you know, I'll see guys coming up at, Starcast or whatever it may be. And it's amazing that we, we generally talk about the last time we talked and then we wonder why have we waited so long? It's just the nature of that beast in that, in that world. Uh, it's not known for its warm and fuzzies and, uh, but yeah, I would text him and, and, and keep in touch that way. Just let him know I was thinking about him and I hope he was doing all right. You mentioned it, Starcast, and uh, it is happening again this year. You'll see Mick there. Mick's going to be there, so there you go. I think he's doing a live stage show uh, this year at Starcast. So should be, should be great. Connie's putting on another big time uh, event, so it ought to be fun. Big time, Connie. Big time, Connie. That's what we're calling him now. Well, uh, Jr. I want to talk about Cactus and want to talk about World Champion. He didn't accomplish this in WCW, but in your estimation, do you think he would have been a great WCW World Champion? Oh yeah. I think Mick, uh, you know, it sounds I'm placating him because I love him so much, uh, that I believe he'd do well in any role assigned. He can put, in other words, he put him on the field and give him a Jersey, put him in the game and let him play. And that would include being the WCW champion, a cactus Jack driven title run would have been extremely entertaining. And, uh, the promos themselves would have been worth quote unquote, the price of admission. So yeah, I wish Mick had gotten that opportunity, but you know, politically speaking, the look and all that other bullshit that people, they, they, they make up excuses when something is not their idea. That's the worst thing about pro wrestling is sometimes the decision makers that are doing the booking. If, if, if this, uh, if a certain topic is not their idea, you're never going to get it through. So, uh, and that's, that's just terrible. It's unfortunate and it shouldn't happen that way, but it does more often than not, but Mick would have made a great WCW champion. 
it kind of feels like as we wrap up uh, this portion of the episode that Cactus during his run, that that time period in WCW was the perfect epitome of the company at the time when you think about it. He was a guy who's willing to do anything wrestling-wise with his push. He was good on the mic. We just heard an example of that. He can work, but it just never got going uh, for him there. Yeah, well, again, it's like politics. It's uh, who, What side of the aisle are you on? And Mick apparently inadvertently and not his fault was on the wrong side of the aisle more often than not, just from the standpoint, somebody didn't like his look or, or something he may have said out of humor or something that got, took him the wrong way. Uh, and they also saw a guy working harder than them, uh, doing all he can to get over. And I'm not so sure everybody on the roster could say the same thing, honestly. Isn't it something that could just be a comment or a conversation or something yeah. that just went, went awry once or twice. And that's all it takes. It's just like in the regular business world too, with the wrong leader or the wrong person, the one over you. And that's all it takes that can bury you for a little bit, unfortunately. Uh, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what it is. It is. It's not changed. I got into business in 1974. It was that way. Then here we are at 2022. It's that way now. Well, JR, let's get into some of the fan questions. We have a few this week, and uh, we'll start with Francis Reyes. And he said, uh, JR, do you think Mick was ahead of his time in WCW? I don't know in what way. Uh, hard for me to answer yes or no on that deal. Ahead of his time in what respect? He wasn't, he had his moose set that he did where it ended up with his hip on concrete a lot. But I don't know if he was ahead of his time or not. It's Maybe basically. his style, uh, you know, his, what he did from a risk and they weren't used yeah. to accustomed to seeing someone with maybe a hard risk. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a hardcore styling or something like that might, might that might be applicable, but to say he uh, was way ahead of his time, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if I could go that far. Okay. Uh, Reigns and McIntyre, uh, obviously big WWE fan, uh, chimes in and says, was there ever a plan to make cactus Jack WCW champion? Well, if it was discussed, it wasn't discussed very long. Okay. Look personality, you know, uh, I never understood that, but that's what it was. So it may have been discussed probably was, but not seriously, not for a very long time. Batman forever is up next. And he says, do you think sting was cactus Jack's greatest rival in WCW? I know we were just covering Vader too, but do you think sting would happen to be his greatest rival? Well, he certainly was the top three or four, no doubt. Again, they had some classic matches. Uh, that's a fair question. And my answer would be a fair answer. Top three, at least. Okay. Drew in LA, the wealthy industrialist asks, does WCW get enough credit for being the first promotion to bring hardcore style wrestling to mainstream audience? Oh, Time-wise, I don't know. It'd be close. Uh, but Mick was the hardest of the hardcore and guys saw what was getting over. So some of them tried it. So, you know, maybe, maybe so. Uh, but we weren't the only one doing it. I mean, ECW, ECW was doing it and, uh, doing crazy things. Uh, and, uh, you know, me and Devon, no, I'm kidding. I'm having fun with Bubba. I love Bubba. I, I know you are. Bubba, Bubba, Dougie and I have had a great rapport. I used to bullshit him about his calves. He has, Bubba's got great calf development. He used to like to show him off there in TNA. He would, he would flex those puppies. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it was impressive. Yeah. So I'd always tell him, I said, Bubba, God damn, you got to get back to the gym. Your calves are shrinking. You look at you like you're serious for a, two seconds. Uh, but anyway, I like to get Bubba here. He does a good job with Dave LaGreca and all the crew there at, uh, uh, busted open radio, Sirius XM. I wish I'm a, I'll say a regular viewer, but I, now that I know, understand how to retrieve and the archive shows and things like that, I'm a little bit more accessible to it. I'm learning more technical sense than I heretofore oh, had. Okay. Oh, you know, I like to, and it's just fun to, fun to listen to. It's good. It's good to hear what the fans are thinking. And I enjoy that. 
Yeah, so uh, that's awesome. Hey, listen, um, when we talk about uh, hardcore style and all kinds of fun stuff coming up, we have a lot of fun stuff coming up right here. It's a big summer, uh, Jim, here on Grilling JR. Next week, you're going to do a watch along of Raw is War from June 9th, 1997 in Hartford. It's the night after the King of the Ring, which saw Hunter Hearst Helmsley win the tournament. That's right, Triple H. But what's most notable about that show is what happened before the show. When Brett and Sean got into it, we're here to find out all the dirt from UJR, and uh, we'll call it a wrestling match of sorts backstage. I got, I see your head shaking. I love it. And uh, from there, it's go back to WCW. It's that Beach Blast 92, 1992, we promised you. One of the first major shows of the Bill Watts era. You got the Steiners against uh, two of your favorites, Terry Gordy and Steve Williams. Dr. Yeah. Death in the main event, man. That's going to be a fun one. You know, we, we talk about the uh, the golden tag match like the Bucks and the Hardys, for example. Yeah. Uh, that we've recently featured. Uh, and gosh almighty, uh, to me, my dream match was just what we just said. Yeah. Steiner's, Doc, and Gordy. Other style. Uh, they, they brought it, man, more than anybody else that I can remember in that era. Uh, bringing it physicality wise, uh, compelling action, wrestling, brawling, athleticism. They had it all. And they, and all four men looked like that one could whip the other. It was just a great uh, pairing. Uh, and I love that match. So yeah. that'll be fun to talk about. Yeah, that has JR written all over it. So definitely you want to check that one out. Then from there, it's on to Hulk Hogan's roles in WWE from 2002 until he would eventually join Impact Wrestling. And they're going to close out the month of June with another Raw watch along. And that's from July 1st, 2002. You'll see Brock Lesnar versus Ric Flair for the first time ever. Chris Benoit returning to a WWE ring for the first time in close to a year. And then that main event ladder match is Undertaker and Jeff Hardy for the undisputed title. So, man, th there are some can't miss episodes coming up for you uh, right here on Grilling JR. Yeah, good stuff on the way. A lot of my favorite things we're going to talk about. Hope the fans agree that uh, you're interested enough to listen and watch. So it should be good. I, I love doing those watch alongs. There's always things you see that you forgot that you can point out. Little, some are funny, some are wise ass remarks, whatever case may be. But nonetheless, uh, it, there's some really good content heading your way folks on that deal. Absolutely. Some of my favorite stuff working with you, JR is, uh, reliving some of those old clips that maybe you haven't seen in, in a long while and getting to watch you relive those again. Uh, it's just uh, a lot of fun. So with that, check us out adfreeshows.com. This is where you get to see the video and see those video clips and those watch alongs on video and also get them without all the ads. Listen, we got lots of ads and that's great. We yeah. love the companies that help support us, but you can get it early and ad free over there. Plus all the bonus and perks and top guy weekend and all that good stuff. Starting at $9 a month. Can't beat it. Are you kidding? Hey, I got a Starbucks the other day. It was seven bucks. Everything's $9 a month at $9. Now it's unbelievable. <laughs> so yeah, check it out folks. That's a uh, starting at $9. You kidding? That's, That's a hell right. of a deal. Hell we haven't deal. kept up with inflation either. You know, like everybody else is. We're now like milk's like 10 bucks or something. It's out of control. Uh, but with that, let's tell them what also is out there and available. And that's jrsbbq.com. Grills are fired up all across the country. I know it's, yep. you, you know, so we got to get, we got to get moving with your products, buddy. When I get into Oklahoma in a few days uh, for a little R&R, after these California Vegas trips and so forth, uh, you can bet your ass that I'll be under my outside outdoor kitchen grilling at least once a day. And, uh, I, I like, I cook breakfast on my grill. Uh, I use my all purpose seasoning for eggs, all those type things, seasoned bacon or ham. You do sausage like kielbasa or anything. Yeah. Like that? yeah oh yeah. yeah. A lot of protein. Nice. And I, and, uh, so. It's a season. And again, Father's Day is going to be here before you know it. That's right. Good opportunity to get you some nice, unique gifts for the wrestling fan in your family. And if you're a guy listening right now and you want a suggestion for your significant other, why don't you just tell them? Why don't you take their load off the decision making and go, where am I going to shop? He's so hard to buy for, or she's so hard to buy for, whatever the case is. And, and, and check it out. A lot of different packages. 
different uh, assortments that you can get. We're still signing a lot of books, uh, personalizing them. That's kind of cool. So uh, jrsbbq.com. The store never sleeps, and it costs nothing to look. Uh, check it out. This is the perfect time to get ahead of your supply. The beginning of summer, take care of you for the rest of the summer and into the fall months with all that good stuff. JR, I envision you, your outdoor kitchen, pool is open. Man, yep. it just sounds like a great time, buddy. Yeah, I got that Arn Anderson philosophy going. My fat looks better brown than white. It'll always be there. That's right. I believe, I believe in that one. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, I got a, I got a big 50 inch TV out there. Our friends come over and we watch ball games or whatever, especially during football season. And I got a Coke machine, a legit, old school, legit Coke machine, uh, all decked out in OU stuff from That's university awesome. things. So I, I got a real cool little backyard set up and uh, That's awesome. I just don't get to use it often enough, but now that the weather's what the weather is, the COVID issues are what they are better. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really happy to be able to spend some more time back there and we'll be spending more time in Oklahoma as time goes forward. Uh, so uh, that's always good to be home. Can't be being home. There you go. Sounds great. Well, Jr. thank you for letting me be part of you here on this show, your home grilling Jr. this week, covering all things Cactus Jack WCW and, uh, on behalf of the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross, this is Paul Bromwell. We'll see you right back here again next week on grilling Jr. We appreciate you guys very much. Don't never forget that. And we appreciate you watching us every week, telling your friends about our show. And, uh, as they say on, uh, I think it's on, uh, is it pardon the interruption? We'll do better next time. PTI. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.